He's down now. All right, so Donna. They're not listening. Okay, just carry Ann. Just let them know that at this point on, it's going to be standing room only. Thank you very much, guys. Everybody, hello. How's it going? So we're going to have the man of the hour out here in just a little bit. My good friend, Mr. James Wallace, the creative director of Alamo DFW, is going to be up here hosting. You guys go to the Alamo Draft House, right? Man, I grew up here. I live in Austin. I love that one of my favorite things in Austin has come back to my hometown. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. He's got some really cool questions to ask. We know that we've got an amazing line of people to get through asking questions from you, the audience, and we are going to get through as many of you as humanly possible. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, just some housekeeping stuff to get out of the way so that we can have as much fun with Mr. Tennant as we can and get through as many people in his line of people that are waiting in line instead of being in this room because they want to see him so bad. When we end the panel, if you're going to hang out for Bruce Boxleitner, if you've got a gold pass, you can stay in your seats, you can hang out. Otherwise, we ask that you exit and the door's back in that back corner, and you'll have to get back in the line and come back in. So we've got Bruce Boxleitner at 2. We've got Ruth Connell from Supernatural at 3. We've got Mara Wilson closing out the day at 4, which I'm particularly excited about. I'm a big, big fan. Any other, any other fans of these people? Bruce Boxleitner? Yeah? Ruth Connell? Yeah, some, some mega witches out there. Fans of Mara Wilson? Anybody else know her from Welcome to Night Vale? Yeah, there we go. So, a couple other things. Uh, something that if, if you've been in one of these panels throughout the weekend, you've heard me at the end uh, ask for a round of applause for our crew. Uh, these, these shows would not happen without our crew. And I wanted to take an opportunity to, uh, to mention all weekend, I've been talking about a guy named Kirk Elliott, one of our volunteer leads, one of our crew leads, who was for a lot of volunteers, the first guy that they met, the first smile, the first handshake, the first hug, first friend that a bunch of people made, and he passed recently. And we're doing this show without him, but we want to think that we're doing the show with his spirit in mind. So as you are here the rest of the day today, make a new friend, meet somebody in line, start a conversation. You were surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of friends, yeah? Yeah? Last year, we, uh, we lost um, another friend of ours. Uh, a huge Doctor Who fan, a wonderful guy named Ed Dravecki. And I wish that he were here to see David. So if you guys do not blow the roof off this place for Ed, the first guy that all of our exhibitors, all of our vendors would see coming in the back loading dock, then it's, I'm going to take it personally, okay? All right? Can we get a round of applause for our crew? That's what I'm talking about, Dallas, Texas. There we go. So, once again, we have thanked you guys all weekend. I will thank you once again for coming out and being the best audience, not just in the state of Texas, but in the whole of the United States. We're going to get started here in just a few minutes. Mr. Wallace will be out here. We'll have a little video reel. we got some fun stuff planned. So keep your seats, strike a conversation, make some friends. Thank you.
We are still packing people in like sardines. We're going to go ahead and get started here in just a moment. Just want, you know, Again, we've got a great line of great questions. We want to get through as many of them as possible. So please, no multi-part questions. No, you know, please you know, give us a, a paragraph length explanation of that kind of thing because we want to get as many of you up to that microphone as possible. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring up our friend, the one, the only, Mr. James Wallace from Alamo Drafthouse DFW. I like the way this guy's dressed. He has a real sense of style. Take it away, sir. All right, who's ready to get wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey? Oh, my God. I want to see what that is in American Sign Language. <laughs> Something like this, wibbly-wobbly. Uh, uh, just uh, one more order of business. I'm sorry, guys, but um, we cannot take uh, any Doctor Who questions today. Um, oh, it didn't even work on you guys. It did not even work. No, we are going to take a lot of Doctor Who questions. Uh, I'm going to ask a few. I'm sure you guys have a lot of great questions. We'll try and get into it all. Uh, uh, Jessica Jones, Harry Potter, DuckTales, Broadchurch, Casanova, maybe some plays, all kinds of stuff. We have one theater nerd in the, in the, in the crowd. Plays! Yes to plays! All right, uh, so uh, we, we have a, a short video. This man who needs no introduction has a very good introduction with, uh, with this awesome video. So uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at Mr. David Tennant. to compel murder. Oh, tomato, tomato. Surprise! Hello, father. I'm the doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey and the constellation of Castabrus. I am the oncoming storm, the bringer of darkness, and you are basically just a rabbit, aren't you? People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Your life could depend on this. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. Good luck. We need a new destination, because I don't want to go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big welcome for David Tennant. All right. I think it's on. Hello, hello, oh yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who regenerated into all of our hearts and then left us heartbroken. Can, can I just, can we just call you Tin? 
Can we just refer to you as Tin? You can call me whatever you like. All right. All right. There we go. My answer to most things. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll kick this thing off. As, as a longtime Whovian, uh, there is something that I've always wanted to ask you, and now I have the opportunity. How do you get your hair so magical? It's a very complicated process. Well, it depends. I have my hair's, uh, 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 you know, the, ha the hair changes. I, I can't help but notice you are, in fact, a ginger today. I am. You, al you always wanted to be a ginger. I finally made it, yes. But this is for, I'm doing a thing, uh, I'm doing a, there's a book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. That's, that's all you got to say, we're in. Yeah, uh, called Good Omens, uh, and, and yes, and Neil Gaiman has adapted it for TV, so uh, that's why I have red hair, because I'm currently playing a demon. Obviously, all demons have red hair. Fact. That's a fact. Fact. So that's why my hair is red. But you know, it's, in, in Doctor Who, it was a, it was a process. It, two two hair products, and a makeup artist called Steve Smith. That's okay. what I, That's what you need to have. All right. Steve Smith has come with me onto Good Omens, so he's uh, he's doing some new magic on that show now. Well, there you go. Yeah. If you want David Tennant hair, you just have to have Steve Smith and two products. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you know, uh, well, I can't help but notice we're at a Comic-Con. Oh, a yeah, lot here we are. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of doctors out there, and so naturally, uh, doctor cosplay is, is, is a thing, uh, very much so. Uh, well, uh, you're the one in the west, the, the, the vest the, and the tie there. Yeah, I know. I know. This, is my, this is my casual cosplay. Nice. Um, uh, we got a note. Did you, uh, did, you, did you keep anything? Keep any uh, any bits of your costume? I might have some costume. The thing is, you become the sort of trustee of it. That's the thing, because nobody else keeps one. Right. It turns out. Because when I went back to Doctor Who for the 50th anniversary uh, episode, which was a few years after I'd left, they said, can you bring your own costume? There was nobody <laughs> that didn't exist anywhere else. I think there was one in the exhibition in Cardiff. They have an exhibition. Uh, and uh, I think there was one they hauled off a dummy there. Uh, and there was the one that I had been given at the end of the show, so I had to supply my own outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's safe to say, we're in the right room to say this, uh, you, you by far are everyone's favorite doctor. Oh. Um, Tush. Uh, uh, yeah, see, I was, I was right. Um, there's something about you that I, I find extra special. Obviously, we've, we've been graced with various doctors over the many decades, but you, growing up, your, your lifelong dream, you, you were one of us. You were, you were a nerd. Like, you, your Don't lifelong... Don't say where. Yeah. Still am. You're, you're, you, you are a nerd. Your lifelong dream was to play the doctor. You used to write essays in grade school about one day playing the doctor, and then there you were. Like, how, that's... It's, that's amazing. Like that's so cool. Oh, it's ludicrous. It's yeah. preposterous. Uh, well, it was certainly when I was young. It was it was one of the shows, if not the show, that I watched on TV that got me excited. The about. only show in Britain, I believe, uh, it's is the only one. A, yeah. a fact. Yes, you'd have six days of a black screen, <laughs> and uh, then Doctor, and then about five o'clock on a Saturday, it would suddenly sputter into life. <laughs> uh, there'd be Doctor Who, then three hours of news, and then they'd shut down again. It's just all BBC. Yeah. Just a still photograph of the Queen, and you'd have to... <laughs> every time you entered the room, you'd have to do that. Uh, 
That's what, and, and, and nowadays we have a bit more. Nowadays it's only, it's only blank uh, Monday to Thursday now. Okay. So, still with the Queen, though. Still the Queen. Always the Queen. The great thing is, since Doctor Who's been on it, it's 50 years, same Queen. Exactly. Same Queen. Yeah. Same Queen. <laughs> Different Doctor Who, same Queen. Lots of doctors, one Queen. Yeah. And now you're the president of Britain, right? I, yeah, I, I own Britain. I don't actually, uh, I don't rule it in any way, but the, I do have, I own the title deeds, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just uh, when we kick it out to questions, which we're about to do, just address your majesty, the president of Britain. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. Uh, <laughs> if you like. And bow before him. Uh, all right. Well, perfect segue. Let's, let's kick it off to the first question here. What is your name? Um, well, my name's Emily. Um, but you normally call me Richard, uh, which is fine. Oh, it's you, you, uh, yes, you yeah. dress up as Richard um, II usually, yeah. but not today. No, today I'm, I'm dressing as the Syracuse. Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, okay, question. Um, all right, uh, abbreviated form of the question. Did you have an album for Much Ado About Nothing, and if so, what was it? Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, Deep cut, this, Richard. Yes, this is because... Uh, uh, when I do a play, I'm I'm very I'm I'm almost sort of militantly anti-superstitious, superstition in my life, and I I, I yes applause for the anti-superstition. Come on, <laughs> science all the way. You know um, it's bad luck to be the only one clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Dawkins is in. Well done. Um, well, obscure reference, obviously clearly. Uh, uh, so. Um, uh, what was I talking about? I have no idea. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yes, not I know. But the one sort of superstition I do kind of adhere to is when I'm doing a play, I get an album that I have to play before I go on stage every night. That's my one sort of nod to superstition. And uh, uh, when I did Much Do About Nothing, it was a Glass Vegas album, the one with all the weird bits of syntax in the title. I can't actually remember the title. Any Glass Vegas fans in? Even more obscure, really, there. Uh... So I, yes, I'd need to look it up. I'll have to, hang on, let me look it up. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. We'll wait. <laughs> I'll get right back to you, honestly. <laughs> Talk about something else for a bit. I'm just uh, uh, over here admiring your playlist. Oh, it's not even on here. There's a lot of Celine Dion. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Can't find it. It's you, it's called something like Euphoria Heartbreak or something, and it's got lots of syntax, and and that was what I. It's really depressing album for much to do about nothing. I don't know why I chose that, but there you go. All right. There you go. Euphoric Heartbreak. I so, nearly got it right. So now that you're playing a demon, are you listening to a lot of death metal, or is this only a play thing? No, it's a play thing. Okay, it's, it's for, only it's play that, thing. It's for that like half hour before you go on stage, right. and and uh, and you get a little bit terrified. Okay. It's, uh, it's all about sort of finding a way of tricking your brain that you're not going to die right. when you step out on stage. <laughs> and that, that, that it is possible to remember a sequence of words and a sequence of movements uh, repeatedly and not just have to go and stop in front of hundreds of people and go, I'm terribly sorry, I'm going to have to leave now and uh, throw up. So <laughs> it's just all about some trick. It's a, it's a brain, tricking your brain. That's what it's about. All right, next question. Okay. Oh, are there people over here? 
I can't see. There's just very bright anyone. lights. Are there? Very is there anybody? It's just Rush me. It's <laughs> me. Is there anyone actually in this room? <laughs> oh, there is. I believe you. Uh, all right, next question. Hi, I'm Dr. London. Um, I'm really oh, loving the early is. shots of Crow. Oh, hi, there we go. And the ginger to go with it. Um, my question is, um, you do a lot of accents and dialects very well, and you travel all over the place. Do you try the accents on when you're visiting those places? I think oh. what she's saying is, can we hear a Texas accent? Actually. <laughs> I'll just ask what you were really wanting to ask. Uh, yes, a southern U.S. accent, No, please. you can't. Is it? No. <laughs> I do sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you do. Well, not, but not even consciously. Sometimes you're just sort of, when you, you know, if you're in an environment and you're surrounded by people who talk in a certain way, you do sort of. I, do, you, did everyone does that though, don't they? A little bit. You start sort of mimicking what you're hearing, and you just have to sort of be aware that it's a bit of an odd thing to do, especially if people, because you, if you start pretending you, for instance, if one is in America and you start pretending to be American and you're sort of prittling around Walmart or whatever. Um, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> There's no way to say that in a British accent and not sound like it's just beneath you. <laughs> mm. That was not that was not my implication. We even feel that way about Walmart in Texas. <laughs> so some of us were maybe even like born in a Walmart. I so love a bit of Walmart. Walmart is a store like we would never have back home. It's like, oh, you have you have toys and you have toilet roll. You have everything in one shop. It's true. Very clever. Have idea. You, you should, uh, if you think that's cool, you should check out a Target. Aren't they the same thing? They are not. The, they are definitely not the same thing. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh no! I've insulted. You literally the whole just of Texas. went from being everyone's favorite, like beloved doctor, to you just offended all I our sensibilities about Target. I genuinely thought Walmart and Target were the same company. Is that not true? You should probably just stop right Am now. I actually getting... Next, you're going to say you thought Whataburger and In-N-Out were the same thing. I, so which is better? What, so... Okay, come on. Let's break it down. We... I'm going to do both. I want to hear the reaction. So first of all, cheers for Walmart. Those people just, work at Walmart. Just that side of the room. Those, those people work at this Walmart. This side of the room hate Walmart. Hate it. We love it. We hate it. We love it. Target. This has gone some really weird places that I was not prepared for. Sorry, employee, employees of Walmart at the back. You did lose that one really we did, badly. We should stop talking about Target. We've got Doctor Who to talk about. Um, all right, next question. Which is the nicer sign? Oh, Target. What's, show us Walmart. Yeah. She was Target. Oh, that's better. That yeah. is better. You're right. You're right. Target's better. I did a play once. In fact, uh, Emily was dressed up like a bit from it. Uh, uh, Comedy of Errors, William Shakespeare play. Uh, and the, uh, thank you. Whoa, yeah. Wish yeah for Shakespeare. He's not here. Um, <laughs> And uh, it, there's a bit in it where Antipholus of Syracuse uh, and uh, Dromeo of Syracuse, they, they, they talk about this kitchen wench. 
that Dromeo's just seen, and they go through, it's, a, it's like a little bit of music hall uh, act that they do, where they go through all the countries of the world, um, and they go, uh, and where's Spain? Oh, it's under her armpit. Where's this? Oh, it's there. And there's a sort of, uh, it's, a, it's a bit. It's like a bit. And uh, the night we had the signer in, we, uh, uh, we were, you know, oh, where's Spain? And the signer would say, where's Spain? And, uh, and we slightly cooked it up. So there's a place in Wales called Clanby Puchwin Gicko Gerequin Drobo Clanticilio Gogogoch. Hey, that's the same, that's the same symbol for Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey. <laughs> and that was the bit we did. Where's Spain? Where's Portugal? Where's there? And then we go, where's Clanby Puchwin Gicko Gerequin Drobo Clanticilio Gogogoch? And then we walked over to the designer and we went like that. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> I've no idea how you spell it, so you win. <laughs> it's Welsh. It's got like loads of consonants and no vowels. <laughs> there you go. That's my story about signing. I'm having fun. This is fun. Are you guys having fun? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the next Ooh. question. If you had a fourth season of Doctor Who... And I mean, can't see anything. Where are they? Oh, there you yeah. are. Hi. There, there are not two lines like we thought. There's only one. Okay, so if you had a fourth season of Doctor Who and you could choose your companion, who would you choose? Ooh. Is this like any, any fictional character or like the existing companions? Uh, any actor. Any actor. Ooh, I'd have my wife, I think, so that I could see her a bit more. She's due a return to the show anyway, well, right? Well, and she's, she's of Doctor Who royalty. <laughs> she, 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 she's of Doctor Who blood. Yeah. Runs through your, her veins. Your father-in-law is number five, yes. Pete Davidson, if you yes, guys didn't know yes. that. So Did you that's just call him Pete? Pete. Did you just call him Pete Davidson? Is that, can I not do that? I don't think he's a Pete. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well. And I'm not a Dave. Okay. <laughs> David and Peter. Um, yeah. All right. And Michael Sheen's not a Mike. But Michael I've, Sheen would make a great doctor. He would be a great doctor. He would be doctor. a really great doctor. He'd be a sensational doctor, yeah. He'd be a great doctor. Not a good mic, though. Not, not, not a good mic. Uh, all right, next question. Yeah. All right, so John Barrowman has been here quite a few times, and he always tells about this, the stories that he does on set and the oh, yeah. craziest ones he thinks. In your opinion, what is the craziest thing he's done? Oh, my God. How, I don't know if we have that much time. Uh, there's, de uh, there's children in the room, so I can't. I mean, I can't even begin to... No, no, no. I'm just going to draw a veil. And I wish he had. <laughs> now, having John around is, ex is always enormous fun, I have to say. He's, he's a sort of constant... He's, a, he's like a sort of uh, Roman candle of effervescent life. He's a joy. <laughs> and that goes back to the story I'm not telling you as well. All right. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Next question. Okay, so I'm a fan of all things Doctor Who, and I absolutely love watching the bloopers. So what's the most awkward thing that has happened on the set of Doctor Who? 
the most awkward thing. Oh, what's the most awkward thing? And it probably did involve John Barman. <laughs> <laughs> Not drawing a veil, I would imagine. Um, oh, I don't know. It would, it would, it would always be, yeah. I mean, not laughing was always an issue, it, it, especially there's a lot of, you know, very funny people. And also often you, in Doctor Who, usually, of course, you're terribly sort of uh, uh, connected. It, the trouble with Doctor Who is if you take a step back, if you look objectively at some of the things you're doing, it can so then feel a little odd, especially if it's, you know, somebody with a, with a um, uh, you know, a, 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 a green ball on the end of a stick that you're having to uh, invest with all manners of horrors or whatever. And most of the time you just do that because that's the job and that's the gig and it's like being in the playground and you make believe and that's great. Um, but it, 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 I suppose if it's, if it's something brings you out of that, it can be tricky. Uh, when we, oh, I can't tell that story. Can I tell that story? <laughs> when we did the werewolf episode, um, we d uh, it was called Tooth and Claw. Um, you probably knew that. I didn't know. Extraneous information, uh, and and the werewolf was created in a computer by the the geniuses at the mill who were our uh, 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 CGI experts. Um, but it's represented on set somehow or another, usually for for an eyeline or for a sort of um, uh, a reference for the for the people who then replace the image. So we had a guy uh, a, who had a thing on the end. Uh, he had a sort of bicycle helmet with a thing on it to show sort of where the head of the creature would be. And he was in a, a, a kind of lycra bodysuit. And he would sort of come on around like that. <laughs> um, which was fine and great, and he did it extremely well. And that was all, but, but this was very tight, this thing he was in. Um, and I hope he won't mind me mentioning it, but about a couple of days in, maybe not even a couple of days, Somebody noticed that this left very little to the imagination. <laughs> and this boy was a boy. <laughs> I mean, it would have taken your eye out. <laughs> Terribly impressive. inspiring <laughs> it inspired all <laughs> and the trouble is once you've noticed that it's quite hard to keep your eye line on the tennis ball that's coming out of a stick on the top of his head because you're, you're the eye is being drawn for whatever your reasoning might be whether it's awe or envy or <laughs> just, you know, the, the sheer record-breaking <laughs> dimensions. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if it crept up on a Doctor Who Confidential or anything, but it's worth checking out. Well, it's out there now. Um. <laughs> All I right. He won't mind me mentioning it. I suspect he won't. No, I don't think I don't think you would. Uh, <laughs> next question. Hi. Um, if you You've swapped. Clanvai puchwin gikko gerekun drobo kantisilo go go go. Whoa. Perfect. She was practicing. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Next question. 
Um, if you could choose any other doctor's companion to have as your own, which would you choose? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, ooh. <laughs> Was that ace, she blows stuff up? Right. Yeah, good choice. I don't know. It, it feels, feels wrong to select. I mean, I, I, I always felt very very hugely privileged that I got one of the other doctor's companions sort yeah. of as one of my companions because I got a bit of Sarah Jane Smith in my life. Yeah. Uh, and as she was the companion that as a child I had, uh, I, I had first sort of latched onto, you know, like a, like a chick hatching from an egg adapts the first thing they see as their... She, as their, she imprinted on she you. She imprinted yeah. on me. Uh, so I, I, I suppose I, maybe the answer to your question is that I, I, I got what I would have wished for. I got, I got Sarah Jane in my TARDIS. Come on. Did you, as a kid growing up wanting to be Doctor Who, did you have a, a favorite Doctor Who? Or is that like picking a favorite kid? Well, I suppose it's the ones that you first know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's often, you know, people that you're, you're, you never forget your first time. Yeah. You know? So it's like... Everyone makes fun of me for having my favorite James Bond be T-Daltz, but that's who I grew up with. He's, so. a, he's a popular choice. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good Bond. a magnificent Time Lord. Okay, all right. Now, you know what? Let's get into this. Let's uh, get into this, whatever there, this is. If you guys don't know, there's a little thing going around the internet about other fictional characters uh, that, uh, that could or couldn't be Time Lords. Uh, so I have a few. You I don't like know what this is. This sounds great. Go. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna quiz you. Here we go. Uh, let's start with James Bond. Time okay. Lord. No. T he's not a Time no, Lord. No. 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 Okay. Uh, Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, he could be a Time Lord. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins. Yes. Definitely yes, a Time Lord. Probably almost definitely is. That would explain a lot. Uh, David Bowie. Ah, very good, yeah. He's yes. just regenerated. Yes. He's out there somewhere. And then lastly, uh, Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> I, I think that's our answer. No, he's not no. Time Lord. No, right. no, no, no. Okay. No. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right, but Willy Wonka and Mary Poppins definitely, definitely Time Lords. Definitely are, definitely are, yeah, yeah. What's what? Who? Miss Frizzle? <laughs> Miss Grizzle. From Magic School Bus? <laughs> who? Nah, just, we'll, we'll move on. This is going to be another Target segue. We don't want to go down that wormhole. Uh, let's just say yes, the Magic School Bus was actually a big yellow TARDIS. She's a, she's a Time Lord. <laughs> Next question. In the Agatha Christie episode, yes. where you guys are fighting the giant wasp, yes. how many takes did your kiss with Catherine Tate take? No, I don't remember now. To be honest, it was that. What was tough about that is that we did we did the whole sequence in one go. I do rem I remember it wasn't broken down, so that it was. Uh, I was always knackered because I had to do a lot of puffing and panting, and 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 Catherine's doing a countdown races. I don't know she's doing all that, and I'm trying to mime. The whole thing. Um, and the, of course, this sequence ended with her. I said, shock me, I shock me, I need a shock. And she sort of grabbed me and snogged me. And that's what jolted the doctor out of his, uh, 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 gave him the, the, you know, the, the, the escape from the poison. 
Um, but the terrible thing was, because I, I had to put all the stuff in my mouth, the anchovies, which were actually slithers of mushroom, and the uh, salt, and where else was it? I can't even remember now. But it, we'd get to the end of that sequence, and I would have stuff all over my face. <laughs> Bits of mushroom hanging off, and dribble, and snot, and... And Catherine, God bless her, every time, had to just grab me and get stuck in there. <laughs> so I think we probably minimized the number of takes just for her own, uh, the sake of her own uh, health. But uh, <laughs> I can't remember how many takes exactly. It was a long time ago now, I guess. But, you know, we didn't do anything that many times. There was, you know, the, the schedule in Doctor Who was pretty fierce. So uh, I can't imagine it was more than two or three. I wouldn't have thought. But I remember it being pretty disgusting. And that's nothing to do with Catherine. That was purely to do with me missing my mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're running out of time because we talked about Target way too long. Um, <laughs> so let's... <laughs> oh, my God. I think you're next week probably going to get a call from Target's marketing department hiring you as a new spokesperson. Hi. And that's going to be their new catchphrase, just David Tennant going... Hi, my name's David Tennant. I'm the voice of Scrooge McDuck, and I would like to welcome you to Target. Boom! <laughs> They're just going to use that video. That's it. Uh, all that to say, uh, let's try and get through some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Here we go. Hi. One of the fun things about this weekend is seeing all the heroes and villains, and I've been told by my daughter, who's Emily over there, that of your 194 roles to date, only seven are villains. And I was uh, interested, uh, <laughs> my question has to do with playing good or bad roles and how you feel about those or think about them and approach them. I want to know how you worked out your statistics. <laughs> I want a flow chart. We'll, we'll have to bring. Or some sort of PowerPoint presentation. She had percentages in there. Yeah. That was uh, impressive. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Seven, seven out of 194, did you say? Uh, you, that's you, what I've been told. Well. Yeah. As good a hero as you are, you play a really good villain, Jessica Jones. Well, thank you. Kilgrave. Well, thank you. It's very kind. But I think you try not to differentiate too much. I mean, obviously, Kilgrave ain't a stand-up guy. But he doesn't think of himself that way, you know. Uh, I, I, so I, I guess you've got to try and not be too judgmental about any character yeah. you play. Because also, most characters are, are somewhere on the spectrum between good and evil, yeah. aren't they? You know, not everyone's a hero, not everyone's a, a, a straight villain. Most human beings, all of us, are somewhere kind of on the sliding scale in between, I think. So I, I think that's how you have to try and make sense of any character you play by not being too, by not compartmentalizing them, I suppose. Yeah, good question. All right, next. Hey, David, how you doing? Hi. Um, what's your favorite Billy Piper story? My favorite Billy Piper story? Oh, my goodness. Uh, once upon a time. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Favorite story? Again, probably not things I'm going to be repeating to a room full of strangers. <laughs> Um, but, uh, oh, I, 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 it's always, I, I, I just, I love spending time with Billy, I love working with Billy, and uh, we recently did some CDs for, uh, uh, the do we did the Doctor and Rose again on, for a big finish, we did some CDs. And it, it's always just such a joy to, 
do anything with Billy. You just, it, it just feels so uh, easy. She's so easy to work with. Uh, I suppose the downside of that is that we did laugh quite a lot. I suppose the, I, 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 I always, when I think about when we did the episode, The Idiot's Lantern, and Billy had to have no face. And that, of course, was done by putting little CGI tracker markers on her actual face and me having to pretend that she didn't have a face. I believe there's a blooper reel of that somewhere <laughs> because that took an awful lot of takes just, you know. That was one of those moments when you just step back and go, this is really silly now. <laughs> so I don't, I, don't, I don't have a specific story to tell, I suppose, just that, I, that you know, I, I, I think back to those times very happily, very fondly. All right, we have a question from uh, a Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Hey, I choose you for the next question. What would you be if you weren't an actor? What was that, sorry? What would you be if you weren't an actor? Unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> She's walked off. <laughs> that was great. Um, hello. Hi. Hi. Um, who was your favorite companion to travel with in Doctor Who? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously I'm going to answer that question and not get myself into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, don't, I genuinely don't have a favorite. Even if I did, I probably wouldn't admit it because that would be... Because then it's out there. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but no, I genuinely... I, I had uh, three you know, long-term traveling companions and then lots of other people who, who came on for quick trips. And I, I feel sort of hugely loyal and fond of every one of them. I think I was very lucky. I didn't have, any, I didn't have anyone that I didn't enjoy traveling the TARDIS with. Can I, uh, can I ask, uh, do, you know... Do you have anything to say to all the guys out there in their mom's basements who have never talked to a girl that have a problem with the first female doctor? Well, just tune in and you'll yeah, stop that having a, a problem that was, with that, that was, I think. That was shade. Intentionally. I think, you know, I, I, I think, oh, I think that's one of those things, isn't it? It's, I think the doctor changing is always contentious yeah. because people love a version of the character. They yeah. fall in love with versions of the character and the idea of that character moving on becoming something different is, is, is often quite difficult. Yeah. Until, of course, the next Doctor starts, and then you fall in love with them. That's how the show works, and that's how it's continued to work. We that's were, why it's still here. Yeah. We were long overdue for a female Doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but actually, it just comes down to the right person for right. that role. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Jodie is, without a doubt, the right person Absolutely, for that for role. Sure. So. It's, you know, as of father of uh, a young daughter and then to be somebody who's at conventions a lot and to see girls dressing up as the doctor, it's, it's amazing because now we have uh, uh, Ray and Star Wars and female Ghostbusters and it was time. It was time for a female doctor, for yeah. sure. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've had 50 years of, of male oh, doctors. Blokes. Yeah. yeah. All right, next question. What quote are you most proud of from Which Doctor Who? Quote was that? What quote? What's your favorite quote? Oh, Dr. wow. Um, oh. Like a Doctor Who quote? Okay. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's, there's so many good... I mean, when you get the, the great writers that we had, you just... It was such a joy to open every script and get given all these amazing lines like they come out of your head. Uh, uh, and and uh, so I don't know. I don't, oh, that, that little... Um, Thing about the hermits, that was I like that. Hermits United, that was nice. Um, uh, although I couldn't remember it word for word right now, so I'm not going to try. Um, 
But, oh, so many, really. It, it's, but what, what's interesting is at the time, you don't realize the things that are going to... Uh, like I just heard through the door, you had the bit from Blink going... At the time, you don't think... On the time I was, that was me on a day off from the... Because Blink was shot at the same time as another episode. So I got a day off from... Oh, what was it now? I can't remember. Oh. But I was filming another episode. I got one day off. I got sent to a studio, and I literally had an autocue. Like it says in the episode, I'm reading this from an autocue. I was, because I didn't have time to learn it. Um, and... Uh, uh, you just read this stuff, and of course it's great because Stephen Moffat's brilliant and he writes this wonderful dialogue. Um, uh, but then what's weird is that decades on, things like I, I'm meeting so many lovely people here and they're going, and could you just write wibbly wobbly timey wimey on that? <laughs> and things like that, you're going to go, I, you never would have known in a million years that that's the line that would sort of, uh, that would travel with you. Or that, um, uh, uh, you know, that, could, because it, when you're in the, the moment and you're sort of, you're just learning your lines, you're turning up, you're just trying to do uh, the best you can in each individual moment. And you can't predict what will sort of have legs, what will kind of travel through time, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get a little bit, I want to try and get through as many as possible. So let's uh, rapid fire. You always talk about having so much fun on set, but which episode of Doctor Who is the most emotional for you to film? The most emotional, uh, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I mean, I suppose leaving the show was hugely emotional, obviously. Uh, and then when uh, when any anybody left the show, like when uh, uh, those final scenes with Catherine in the TARDIS, when I had to wipe her memory, that scene, or oh, I know, wasn't it sad? Uh, or that that scene where Freema leaves, and that sort of terribly bittersweet scene with when when. when when Freema says she's going to stay at home and the doctor can't quite uh, bring himself to, to kind of tell her how great she is. Or, um, of course, the scene on Bad Wolf Bay when the doctor and Rose say goodbye was... Uh, uh, oh, I know. She's still feeling that one. I know. But then, funnily enough, the, the very last scene we shot on series one was, uh, was very sad. It wasn't... We shot out of order, so it was actually the, the bit at the end of the Satan pit where the Doctor and Rose are, it's just the end of an episode, and, and uh, he, they're talking to uh, uh, someone on the, uh, one of the human survivors on the ship, and, and they, they just say, who, who, who are you? And the Doctor and Rose, I can't even remember the lines, but I remember it was Billy's last day on set, uh, and our last day of, of series one, and it had been such a kind of emotional roller coaster, the whole thing, because uh, it's quite a mad thing to come into a show like that, and, uh, and Billy had been such a sort of, sort of rock at kind of helping one kind of get up to speed with the madness of it all. That the idea that she was going off and I was staying on was sort of quite, felt like quite a loss at the time. Um, so shooting that scene was actually one of the hardest to, to do in terms of sort of keeping it together. But uh, you wouldn't necessarily know that from the finished episode, but I, uh, you know, I suppose that, that was the one that, um, that, that I, I remember being particularly difficult to shoot. I think I speak for all of us when I say I don't think any of us have cried near tears like we cried when you said, um, I don't want to go. It was, no. oh, still gets me. Oh. Still gets me. I did too. I did too. <laughs> all right, next. Hi, David. Hi. So I'm really excited that you're going to be in Good Omens. Oh, thank you. Because Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors and you're one of my favorite actors, so I actually threw together a Crowley. You look like you're dressed as Crowley. I am. 
I can't really see you, but I can see okay. a sort of silhouette and the hair and the... Yeah, very good. Nice. So Wow. <laughs> Quick work. Hey, thank you. Um, I hope this is not too nerdy of a question, but... Oh, I hope it is. Not in this yeah. room. Come on. Um, do you happen to have a favorite book, or are you like a big reader? Ooh, I so, oh, I don't know. Do I have a favorite book? Uh, Harry Potter. Good one. <laughs> uh, no. Um, um, no, I mean, they're great. Oh, well, that wasn't a, that wasn't. Um, I guess, uh, I, I think some, probably the books that I read that first kind of opened my brain to novels uh, are the ones that, that, that kind of feel particularly important to me. And that, I suppose, that was probably ones like To Kill a Mockingbird and uh, Catch on the Rye, something like that. Something where, it, where for that first time you, you feel like someone's writing a book just for you, you know. Um, uh, the Passion by Jeanette Winterson, do you know that book? You should. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, not not one individual, but 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 several books that have meant a lot over the years. Yeah, thank you. All right, we have time for one, maybe two more. So let's okay. let's go fast. Okay. Um, what was the most awkward episode of the whole series? Was that awkward? Yes. The most awkward episode. Oh, I don't know that any of them are awkward. Uh, some of them were a bit more difficult. Anything in a spacesuit was always quite uncomfortable uh, uh, because you had to have also to hear everyone. You had to have something in your ear and then something and you had a big thing and they had to pump air so it didn't mist up all the time. So that was a bit like literally acting in a bubble. Uh, but I don't think nothing felt awkward. It was, you know, it was a very, it was a very, uh, it was a genuinely, it was a happy time. And I, I, I it was... Uh, the, the, you know, some, uh, uh, filming all the episodes was was a very positive thing, really. I mean, probably sounds like a standard answer, but it's true. All right, looks like we we have time for just these last few questions that cut okay. the line off. So here we go. Okay, so I like super obsessed over the exact right thing, best thing to ask, and I couldn't come up with anything. So my question is, what are your favorite kinds of questions to answer at these things, and or? What kind of things can fans say to you, like in passing during autographs or photo ops, that just really make your day? That was my whole goal. I'm like, I want something that'll make him smile, make him happy. Oh, I suppose the thing with 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 it's a question that makes you uh, that you that, that takes you by surprise. I suppose. I suppose then that's the that's I suppose that's the answer to both you the parts of your question. Uh, so therefore, it's not. I I wouldn't even know what that is really because until it happens, you you. You, 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 you know, if I knew what it was, it wouldn't be surprising. So I suppose it would be that, really. Something that you've never been asked before. Something that makes you go, oh, I don't know. I've never thought about that. You mean like how you feel about Walmart? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example. Yeah. And finding out Walmart and Target, not the same company. <laughs> Different companies. You guys are going to go to his table and he's going to be gone. And you're like, why did David leave? He had to leave early because he had to stop by a Target on the way to the airport. <laughs> Target, very popular. Walmart, not so much, it nope. turns out. Nope. Boo. <laughs> you know everyone is going to come up to you now and boop you on the nose. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, all right, next question. Hi, David. Hi. Hello, sweetie. Hello. How are you? 
I'm, I'm excellent. Good. My question is real simple, but maybe not. What was the best thing that you enjoyed about being the doctor? I think it's that. I mean, that's it. Because I grew up with it. You know, and I, I had posters on my wall of Tom Baker and Peter Davison being yeah. the doctor. And then you sort of turn around and go, oh, that's me now. He's that's one of us. mental. Yeah, I suppose it's just that. That's the best bit. It's awesome. Hi. 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 Um, my name is Piper. Uh, Hi, Piper. Good name. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but what is your favorite kind of music? Oh, well. Celine Dion, apparently. Uh... My favorite kind, that would be quite restrictive. I like to, uh, oh, it, re it really changes. I have bands that I really like. The Proclaimers are a big band for me. The Beatles are a big band for me. Uh, but then I'll, I'll have albums that have, you know, that particularly capture a moment in time. I've just been listening to the 30th anniversary release, which makes me feel very old, of The Joshua Tree, which was an album that I loved way back, and I'm getting into that all over again. But then I also, I was in New York recently, I saw Dear Evan Hansen, have you seen that? No, you don't. So I've got that, that soundtrack I, oh, I'm listening to a lot at the moment. Um, uh, amazing show, by the way, you should see it. Hamilton, the soundtrack for that, I'm loving that. Uh, so yeah, so at the moment, I, it's kind of, it, it's that. But it, I, I, it, there's always something, you know, and it changes. I'm terribly eclectic. All right, I, I believe, is this the last, are you the last one? This is the last question? Come yes, on. Sir. Don't mess Come it on. up. Make it count. As far as gender bending goes in the media and in Doctor Who, what would your words of advice be to fe your female counterparts uh, taking on male roles? That's a good question. Uh, that, well, well, do you mean specifically in terms of Jodie or? I mean specifically in the transfer of a male role to a female role for example, the new female Doctor Who? Well, I think, I don't think, uh, I, I think, don't think about it. For something, for something like the Doctor, I think, uh, the, the, the great thing about part of the Doctor is it sort of is filtered through wh whoever the actor is who happens to be playing it at the time. Uh, and and uh, you have quite an, a, a, an amount of freedom within that as well to just kind of throw yourself at it, uh, as it were. And, and, and therefore, I think that's all, Jodie will have to do. I think, I, I think actually the, the fact is it's not really about gender. It's about uh, finding the truth of that character as it corresponds with, with the person that's playing it. So I think that's, I think gender is sort of secondary to that. It's yeah. just about uh, uh, telling that story and that's, and yeah. Jodie's a fantastic proper actor so that is what she will undoubtedly do yeah and it and hopefully very soon we'll get to the day where it's just not about her being the first female doctor but just yes. she's the next doctor yeah there's always something it's like yeah. you know daniel craig the first blonde james bond <laughs> the world is over oh no time's out is quite good oh okay we'll shut up now <laughs> maybe there should be a law that everyone just stays off the internet when things like this are, are announced and just is quiet until it comes out, and then, uh, then we can judge. There you go. How about that? <laughs> Words of advice. Stay off the internet, <laughs> boys and girls. All right, well, uh, uh, I don't want to go. Oh. Uh, but 
before we go, uh, we have uh, we have something special for you. Um, you, of course, have done many a great uh, voice acting roles, uh, Scrooge McDuck. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, amongst others, but uh, one of them is uh, the Clone Wars, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Yes. And uh, our friends at the North Texas 501st Garrison uh, would like to present you with uh, a special certificate. So let's wow. uh, let's give a round of applause for our North Texas 501st Garrison. I believe Storm these guys. Troopers. I believe these guys only enter to mute. Yep, there we go. Scary. Give these guys another round of applause. For your contributions to Star Wars The Clone Wars is Hugh Ang the Architect. On behalf of the Star Garrison of the 501st Legion, we'd like to present you with an honorary membership. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. These are amazing. Look. Don't touch them. Stormtroopers are really scary in real life. Hey, funny. you should boop him on the nose. Target. <laughs> this is the nose. This is the nose. Look. Target. <laughs> Wow, you guys look amazing. Thank you so much. I'm hugely honored. Thank you. This is great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's awesome. Another round of applause for these guys. And another round of applause for Mr. David Tennant. Keep it going. Hello!